Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our 6pm service. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. Well, this is a really significant uh, moment in the history of our church. In seven years' time, 2028, we'll, the end of 2028, we will uh, we'll turn 100 You know, in 1928, Reverend Edwin Keith rode his bike down Logan Road and he opened the doors on a little hall so that a bunch of kids uh, could hear the good news about Jesus. And it was actually recorded in the Courier Mail in uh, 1928. Put your hand up here in the room if you've ever read a newspaper. About four of you. Um, you know, there's kind of like it's a bit of paper and it's folded over and it's got news in it before you could get it on your phone. And uh, let me just, just come up, it might be up there on the screen, 1928. It says, uh, great enthusiasm marked the opening of the new Baptist church at Holland Park on Saturday afternoon. The little 30 feet by 18 feet building capable of seating more than 100 persons being filled to overflowing. Introduced by Reverend Edwin Keith, who will have charge of the new church, Reverend A.G. Weller, watch this, OBE, Order of the British Empire, President of the Baptist Union of Queensland. I'm not sure how long you have to be the President of the Baptist Union of Queensland before they award you an OBE, but I think Sir Jason has a nice ring to it. And so I'm planning to hang around long enough until I get knighted. Who performed the opening ceremony, congratulated the congregation on the excellent site chosen uh, for the building and stated that he felt sure that this was to be the seedling from which would spring a much larger and more pretentious church. I'm pretty sure he didn't get an OBE for his contribution to English literature. I mean, pretentious. I, I, I searched the internet, you know, to think maybe, you know, pretentious meant something different in 1928 than what it does today. But no, it comes from an old French word, which means pretending to be something that you're not. And so we're crossing that out from our history. You know, we never want to be pretentious. You know, we're called to be a people of humility, you know, just looking to God and trusting God for the future. And as we look back... God has been so kind. He has been so faithful to do more than what anyone could have asked, dreamed, or imagined back in 1928. A seed of faith that was has planted, that has grown larger and become a blessing to many people here and right around the world. The gathering after the doors had been ceremoniously thrown wide open. You know, from our very first day, The doors were open to welcome everybody to come and hear the life-changing message of Jesus. No no matter where you come from, no matter what you've done in the past, no matter the questions that you've got, the doors have always been wide open right from the very first day. They moved into the church where a service was conducted by Mr. Weller who took as the subject of his address, shining and serving. I tell you, I love a good bit of alliteration. You know, whenever you know, the, the sermon rhymes like that, it is straight from heaven. 
Yeah, Mr. Keith pointed out that the building had been erected largely by volunteer labour from a whole bunch of the local Baptist churches, and it says that these voluntary workers, many who had made great sacrifices in the work, you know, right from the very beginning, you know, God just called ordinary men and women to, to give of their time, to give, to give generously, to, to actually serve God and to serve His purposes. It goes on to say that the uh, block in Yuletide Street was purchased for the rather large sum of 250 pounds. I'm so glad that there were generous people back then who not only wanted to bless their generation, but wanted to do something to be a blessing for the generations to come. And then it finishes by saying, Reverend B. Hewison, Mr. A. Bickmore, and others also delivered short addresses because the messages at Gateway are always short. You know, a lot has changed in, uh, in 93 years you know, we got new vehicles. You know, none of our pastors ride their bike down Logan Road to church anymore. You know, Tim, when he came back from New York, he said they were going to be a one-car family, and he started riding his bike down Rochdale Road uh, to church here. It lasted about two weeks. I've never seen the bike ever, ever since, and a second car was bought. We got new vehicles. We got new looks. Actually, who likes Tim's new look tonight? There you are. <laughs> How good are those white sneakers and the jeans rolled up, new glasses, the whole kit and caboodle. Put your hands together for the fashion icon, Mr. Timothy Lucas. We got new looks, we got new vision, we got new uh, buildings, and a lot has changed. But some things remain the same. Our doors are wide open. To, to welcome everybody to hear the life-changing message of Jesus. And over the last little while, we've opened some new doors. You know, we've opened new doors here uh, at Mackenzie. We've got a great kids and youth building, and many of you serve faithfully in that every week. We've, uh, we've opened uh, new doors down in Ormo. We've opened new doors in the Redlands. We've opened new doors in Logan. We've opened new doors in the city. We've opened new doors on care centers to reach out to those in need in our communities. We've opened new doors in Phnom Penh, Cambodia, to welcome in girls who have been rescued from sex traffic and helping them to find hope and healing in Jesus. And in the last little while, we've opened new doors through Gateway Online. Just have a look at this little heat map of places where people, just days there a map coming up, uh, places where people online have joined us at Gateway and become part of our online community. More people in more places than ever before. Can we just put our hands together for our team who serve in Gateway Online, just taking the gospel to the world. Our doors are wide open to, to welcome people. That has never changed. And Jesus is still building his church as faithful people serve his purposes. 
You know, men and women have gone before us and served faithfully to see his church grow. And we've got some legends of the faith in the room tonight. Uh, it's so great to have Tim Hanna here. Give us a little wave, Tim. Tim was a uh, senior pastor here for 11 years, served faithfully in this place. And you're seeing some of the legacy and all that you hear and all that you see in this place. But every Sunday, someone in his family is on this stage and he's a blessing uh, to the next generation. Eleanor Chobo sitting out the back. Give us a little wave, Eleanor. Eleanor is now a missions pastor, but Eleanor is our longest ever serving Gateway Beyond worker, sir, taking the gospel to the nations. And he's leading the charge on a new neighbours ministry that you might have sort of walked past wondering what that funny blue bus in the foyer was tonight. I'm going to tell you about that in a few moments. Jesus is still building his church as faithful people serve his purposes. And the message tonight will be about shining and serving because that message is straight from heaven and hopefully it will be short because I really want to create some time for us at the end for some anointing. I believe God is setting us apart for a new season of ministry. God is calling us to, to be willing and available and he's wanting to fill us with the power of his Holy Spirit and send us out to be a blessing in this season to this generation, and to be part of being a blessing not just to this generation, but to the generations to come. There's never been a better time to actually shine a light on the love of God in our community. You know, when Jesus was asked, you know, what is the greatest commandment? You know, he couldn't give just one. You ever thought about that? He's asked, what's the greatest? He says, I can't give you just one. He says, I'll give you one that's more important than the other, but I've got to give you two because they go together. They can't be separated. What one flows from the other. Matthew 22, Jesus says, the greatest commandment is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second flows from it. The second is just like it. The second can't be removed from it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Everything in the law and prophets, everything hangs on those two commands. He says, you cannot love God and not love people. The two go together. You know, later on, decades later, you know, in, in the church as they're kind of grappling how to love God and love people. You know, the Apostle John says this in 1 John chapter 4, Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. But listen to this, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. He says you can't love God and not love people. And he's saying you can't love people in the same way God loves us unless you know the love of God for yourself. You see, when you love someone with all of your heart, the way that you express that love, it, it might change over time. It might change in different seasons. But your desire to be close to that person, to express your love to that person never changes. You know, when I was 13, I threw rocks at Susan because I loved her. And she was at a distance from me and I wanted her to be much closer. And as a 13-year-old boy, the only way I knew to get her attention and to get her closer was to throw 
rocks at her. If you're hanging around youth group on a Friday night and you see boys annoying, 13-year-old boys annoying 13-year-old girls, you know, they, they might just live happily married for the next 28 years. But that's when I, when I was 13, that's the only way I knew how to express my love. When I was 15, Susan was my girlfriend. And I used to write her love letters, like soppy ones, just expressing my love for her. Because I could only see her on Friday night at youth group and Sunday night at church, and I know some of you can't comprehend this, but we each had one landline in our home, which was both the family phone and the business phone, and we were only allowed to use it one night a week. And that wasn't enough. I wanted to be closer to her than that. And so I'd write her love letters when I couldn't see her. You know, when I was 20, I loved her, and so I got down on one knee and I put a ring on her finger because there was too many other boys sniffing around. And I wanted them to go away and to keep their distance because I wanted to be the only one that was close and I wanted to lock her down forever. So I put a ring on that finger. Now I'm 49 and she's 50. I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but she's much older than me. <laughs> Some things never change. We're grandparents. We're old. But she's my bride. I love her and always will. And Susan walked through the most difficult time, the darkest time of her life in the last six months, dealing with anxiety and panic attacks. And as she walked through this difficult time, my love for her did not diminish one little bit. I just wanted to be closer to her than ever before. And you need to understand that there was a time in history when God threw rocks, when his people were trapped in slavery in Egypt to get the attention of their oppressors, God threw rocks from a distance. And then for centuries, God wrote love letters to his people. This is essentially just love letters saying, I want you to come close. And he put a ring on Israel's finger. And he said, I will be your God and you will be my people and you'll have no other gods. He had a jealous love for his people. And in the new covenant, he made a covenant with all people. God himself actually moved into the neighborhood and made his dwelling among us. Jesus Christ, the perfect Son of God, came close and through his death on a cross to remove your sins, to pay the penalty for your sins that kept you at a distance from God and through the resurrection of the dead, he offers you new life where you can come into his presence, you can come close to him and you'll never ever have to be at a distance again because he loves you. He says, you are my church, you are my bride and I want you forever. I want to be close to you. 
to you. And even when we walk through difficult times, even when we walk through dark times, even when we get a little wobbly in our faith, faith, His love for us never ever diminishes. His love for us is as strong as ever and He's inviting us to come close. We have a good God who loves us. Can I encourage you in this strange season we're living in, do not let your love for God grow cold. I believe one of the things that God is doing in this COVID season, He's reminding us, He's drawing us into a a new place of intimacy, reminding us that our ministry for the Lord flows out of our ministry to the Lord. He is actually birthing in us a, a new joy in praise. He is birthing in us a new surrender in worship and a new intimacy and a new dependence on prayer. In a couple of weeks' time, as a whole church, all of our campuses and congregations, we're about to step into 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I believe for some of you here in this room, this discipline, this time of prayer and fasting may be actually the most significant spiritual moment in your life up to this point. That God is actually drawing you into a new place of intimacy. That you might actually pray and see breakthrough like you've never seen before. I believe God is, is putting a prayer on our heart like I talked about in, in that video. God, we've, we've heard of the good things you've done in the past. We, we know your good deeds. We know your fame. Repeat them in our day. God, I want to see them. God, I want to be part of it. See, the great commandment starts with love, God, with all your heart, mind, soul and strength and the second flows from it and it can't be pulled apart from it. Love your neighbour. You see, to, to love your neighbour is to actually see their need and come close and serve their need. It's not just to see their need and to feel you know, compassion for them, it's actually to see their need and to serve their need. And so you've got a neighbour in your seat tonight You know, we're called as a church to, Jesus says, you know, a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Nothing else. It's the only thing he said that people, that's the thing that people will know that you're my disciples, by the way that you love one another. You've got a neighbor in your seat. You know, we want to be a church that loves one another. I want to encourage you every time you walk in here on a Sunday, every time you step into to youth ministry or into young adults ministry, in, in, into your life group, just kind of be ask God, who, who here has a need that I can serve? Who can I love the way that you loved us? Reach out and pray for those in need. Reach out and care for those who are going through tough times. You've got a neighbor in your seat. You've got a neighbor in your street. There's a loneliness pandemic going on out there. Some of you don't realize what a gift it is to actually be part of a church community, to actually you know, be part of a community that loves you. I'm telling you, there are people out there that are dying of loneliness. Let's reach out to the people around us and show them the love of God that we've received for ourselves and there is a neighbor in need. There are people in need right throughout our city. You know, when, uh, when the, the teachers, one of the teachers of the law, 
heard Jesus say this. He said, well, who is my neighbour? And Jesus tells a story, and you will have all have, you know, heard the, the gist of the story. It's called the parable of the Good Samaritan. And Jesus tells this story about a priest that, oh, sorry, about a man who firstly got stripped of his clothes, he got beaten up by robbers, uh, they took all his money from him and they left him half dead on the side of the road. And as a priest is walking along the road, and this is the kind of person that everyone thinks is close to God, right? He, he serves in the temple. The, the priest actually sees the need but decides not to come close to the need and refuses to serve the need. And says, walks by on the other side of the road. And then there's a Levite who actually helped the priests in the temple. They too were thought, you know, to be people who were close to God. He too sees the need, decides to keep his distance from the need and not serve the need and walks by on the other side of the road. And then Jesus says there was a Samaritan and he's become known as the good Samaritan. But back then, nobody thought a Samaritan could be good. They actually had a very checkered history. People thought they were at a distance from God, that they were irreligious people and that God would not come close to them. But Jesus tells his story and says, you know, this is what God is like. The Samaritan sees the need, steps towards the need, comes close to the need and serves the need. That's what it means to love your neighbour. I had my own Good Samaritan moment just the other day. I was running along the beach and I saw a guy struggling in from the surf and he had his, uh, the board for his kite surfer. He's dragging it up on the beach. But as I turned around, I could see his kite was about 800 metres down the beach. And he's running towards me to go and get his kite and to get all his uh, bits back together. And as he's running towards me, it looks like he's wearing a black skirt. And as he gets closer and uh, he, he sort of races past me to get all his stuff, I, I, I can see... That's all he's wearing. I can see his bare backside. When he lost his kite out in the surf, he lost his shorts. And he's running along trying to cover himself with half a wetsuit shirt. I saw the need. Pants. And trust me, I wanted to keep at a distance. I did not want to come close. But this story was in the back of my mind. And so I ran as fast as I could to the place where I was staying and I found a pair of shorts and I ran as fast as I could back down to the beach and says, mate, I, I, I see your need. I'm here to serve your need. And I handed him some pants. He was so excited he wanted to hug me. I said, Dana, keep your distance. I'm the president of the Baptist Union and I want to get an OBE. He was very grateful. Now, it's not very often that we walk along the road and we see someone beaten up and stripped of their clothes. It's not very often I run along the beach and I see someone with no pants on. But what we are called to do as followers of Jesus is to see the need, to move towards the need, and serve the need. That's why I'm so excited about our new neighbours ministry. As you walked in, you would have seen a, a blue bus uh, sitting in our foyer. 
And as a church, what we're going to do is actually see the need, move towards the need, and serve the need. You know, every year, tens of thousands of people seek refuge and asylum in Australia, fleeing places of, of, of great hardship and trouble from around the world. And once our borders open, you know, thousands of new migrants come, you know, to our shores and they have many needs. Most of them will have pants, but many of them, you know, will actually go through difficult seasons where they'll struggle to, you know, to get everything they need for their kids to go to school, to put food on their table, to actually, you know, uh, to, to get all the essential items in their house. And many of them, their greatest need is actually for friendship, for someone to welcome them and love them. And as a church, we've been given a grant to buy a mobile van, which will take clothes and food and household goods and most importantly people towards the need to come close to the need out of these doors into our communities to host events in parks to welcome people to care for people to serve people to to give people what they need to shine a light on the love of God by serving people in need in our community it's going to be exciting I want to encourage you today, just go and talk to Eleanor and some of the team out at the bus. There's a QR code there you can scan. We've got some information events coming up soon just to see how you can be part of this new Neighbours Ministry. There's never been a better time to shine a light on the love of God by serving the needs in our community. There's never been a better time to serve the purposes of God in our generation to bless the next generation. You see, the, the great commandment is the unchanging heart of God and the great commission is the unchanging mission of God. Matthew chapter 28, verse 16, it says this, And the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I, I love what it says in verse 17. After three years of hanging out with Jesus and him telling these disciples that he will die and rise from the dead, after seeing him die and after seeing his, him in his resurrected body, and they now see him again on the side of the hill in his resurrected body, it says some of them worshipped and some of them doubted. They, still, they weren't super human, they weren't super spiritual, they were ordinary people like you and me, trying to work out what it means to follow Jesus. And Jesus looks them in the eye, and after them watching him do many miracles and minister to many people in a very small area, he only walked in a hundred kilometre radius around a very small part of the world, he looks at these 11 ordinary people and he says, the rest of the world is yours. You are my plan. Go into all the nations, make disciples. Let people know about my death and resurrection and the new life that I can give. You're the plan. And you see, the reason that we're here today is because 
those 11 on the side of the hill actually did begin to believe. They did begin to believe that Jesus had all power and all authority. They did begin to share the gospel and to plant churches. And the gospel made its way to us. Our mission statement, actually in today's language, reflects the heart of the Great Commission. And we can all be a part of it, leading people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. We can all be a part of this. Wherever you're at on the journey, you know, we're still you know, becoming fully devoted followers of Jesus. And wherever we are on the journey, we can help others discover who Jesus is and what it means to follow him. This is our time. You know, I've had the privilege of being the senior pastor of this church, of, of visiting many of our gateway beyond workers around the world, just ordinary people doing extraordinary things for God. You know, over Christmas, you know, we gave a very generous gift to the ministry of Robin Liz Lumpkus in, in Myanmar, one of the darkest places in the world for the gospel. But Rob was like many of you here tonight, just a young guy sitting in these pews as a refrigeration mechanic and heard God's call to take the gospel to the nations. And for the last two decades, he's been training up young leaders to understand the Bible, to teach the Bible, to plant churches. You know, I remember going fishing with Ryan Cuthle out in the bay in his tinny, and he's a much better fisherman than me, but he's also a much better pilot than me, thank goodness, because six months later, you know, I was flying in a plane with him, you know, in, in Kenya as he was taking, you know, medical supplies and Bible translators into places in Africa where you cannot get to by vehicle, places that have not heard the gospel. One of the great joys of my life in the last 10 years has seen the ministry of Bloom open up in, in Phnom Penh, Cambodia, and girls welcomed in who have gone through the most horrific abuse. But it started because Ruth, as a travel agent, was sitting in these pews and heard God say to her to go to Cambodia and teach girls rescued from trafficking how to make sugar flowers. And from that extraordinary call that God put on a life, Bloom's become a discipleship center that's blessed a generation. Now the generation is blessing their next generation. Some of these young girls who have been rescued have become pastors and mothers and are actually leading Bible studies in some of the poorest places of Cambodia. And we're going to keep sending more people to more places. And some of you will be those people. Ordinary people doing extraordinary things from God. But sometimes we think about the Great Commission just being for other nations. I want to remind us tonight the Great Commission is for this nation. You see, in 1928, there's a group of people that served God's purposes in their generation. They served to build that hall and to pay for that hall. And you know, that hall became a place where the gospel was preached until 1994 generations to come and in 1928 when the doors on that hall were opened it was on page 16 of the courier mail and the church was celebrated in this city in this nation the church isn't on page 16 of the courier mail anymore we're on page one two three and four we're not being celebrated but we're being condemned there is a mission field outside those doors. 
There's an antagonism towards the church and the singularity of the gospel. But there's a spiritual hunger out there. There are people for decades who have bowed down to man-made idols and ideologies and realized they've come up short and they're looking for something more. I want to encourage you with a couple of things from this great commission. Firstly, Jesus is still using ordinary people to do extraordinary things right here, this city, in your uni, in your workplace. Jesus is still filling his followers with the power of his Holy Spirit. And I believe he wants to do that tonight. Jesus still has all power and authority in heaven and on earth. Do you believe that tonight? That nothing's impossible for him when things look impossible in front of you. Jesus has power and authority to do the impossible. And lastly, Jesus is coming again. And I'm not here to tell you when, only the Father knows that. But Jesus is coming again. We live in a culture that that says it doesn't matter what you believe, you just do you and I'll do me. You believe what you believe and I'll believe what I believe. That is not the message of the Bible. The message of the Bible is there is only one God. And there's only one God who came to earth to save all people. And through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our sins can be forgiven and we can have eternal life. And there is no other way. And there is a day when Jesus is coming again and he will judge the living and the dead. And it will be too late for all of those who have turned their back on him. For those reasons and many more, I want to keep sharing the gospel and planting churches until he comes again. I want to keep seeing young people repent and become fully devoted followers of Jesus. I want to keep praying for whole families to be redeemed and communities to be transformed by the love and the power of Jesus Christ. We are called to shine the love of God by serving our community in need. We're called to serve the eternal purposes of God in our generation to bless the generations to come. Whenever there's been a new move of God, whenever God has called people to step into a new season of ministry, there's been a setting apart for the new move of God. Joshua chapter 3, the the people of God had been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. And they get to the Jordan River and it looks impossible to cross. And God says through Joshua, consecrate yourselves because tomorrow God will do amazing things among us. And they actually went and washed their clothes and they went and washed their bodies in the river. And God did do amazing things. He stopped the river a mile upstream and a million people walked across on dry ground. Now, I'm not asking us tonight to go and wash our clothes and wash our bodies in the dam down there. But I am believing that God will do amazing things in this next season. I'm going to get the band to come up and uh, get ready as we finish tonight. But uh, in Joshua chapter 6, You know, as they've been homeless for 400 years, they haven't had a city to live in. 
you know, God, and they're at Gilgal, and, and God says to Joshua, I want you to set my people apart from all the other nations on earth before you go and inhabit your inheritance, and I open new doors for you to live in. I want you to take a sharp rock and circumcise every male among you. And can I tell you, we are definitely not going to do that tonight. But some are very glad about that. But I do believe God is going to bring breakthroughs like we've never seen before. God is going to open new doors for the gospel to be shared and for lives to be changed. You know, when God anointed a new leader to lead the people of Israel, to bring back the glory of God and to write new songs of worship to God. He'd sent a prophet named Samuel to anoint David as the new king. And it says in 1 Samuel chapter 16 that the prophet poured oil all over David's head and it ran down his beard and onto the, onto the ground. And we're not going to do that tonight because it would get a bit messy. But I do believe here in this room tonight, God is raising up new leaders, new leaders who will bring glory to God, who will write new songs of worship, who will bless this generation and the generations to come. In the New Testament, Acts chapter 1, Jesus says, don't go anywhere, don't do anything until my power comes upon you from on high, then you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And the Holy Spirit came in such power, it blew like a wind. There was tongues of fire sitting over just ordinary young men and women's head. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak the Word of God boldly. And that's what I'm believing for this next season. In Acts chapter 6, as the, the church grew and it became too big for the, for the 12 disciples to do all of the ministry, they said, set apart some more leaders to actually care for the poor and to feed the hungry. And we're going to do that tonight. We're going to lay hands on one another. We're going to pray because God is calling His church to care for the poor and to feed the hungry, to go to where the need is and to actually serve that need. In Acts chapter 13, when the gospel hadn't gone far and churches hadn't been planted outside of Jerusalem, but they'd begun to hear that the gospel was transforming lives of people that they never thought, you know, God would be interested. They never thought that they'd be interested in God. They began to hear that the gospel was breaking through in new places. And in Acts chapter 13, after the church was fasting and praying, they set apart Saul and Barnabas to share the gospel and to plant churches where the church had never gone before. And they did plant churches and the gospel spread throughout the empire. And I'm believing tonight as we pray, God is going to set apart people to share Jesus. Everyone, just sharing Jesus with someone. And we're going to plant churches. We're going to raise leaders. We're going to care for the poor. We're going to feed the hungry. We're called shine the love of God in our community by serving those in need to serve His purposes in our generation to bless the next generation. And He's going to set us apart. He's going to set us apart. He's going to anoint us, fill us with the Holy Spirit. You know, part of this setting apart, this anointing, is actually the people of God saying, I'm all in. 
but I know it's not all about me. I'm all in, but I know it's all about him. I want us to stand together tonight. We're going to get our, our whole bunch of our pastoral team, some of our elders, a whole bunch of prayers that have already been prayed for. And this is a different season. We can't go touching for 2,000 years. The church has been anointing people with oil as a symbol of the Holy Spirit, praying them to be filled with power. And we're in a season where we can't be touching people's heads and all that kind of thing. And so there's going to be some people down the front here tonight just with a, a little spray bottle of oil. And they're going to spray some oil on your hand. And I'm going to ask you to do something that people have been doing for 2,000 years. Simply take that oil and write the sign of the cross on your hand. It's a way of saying, I'm a follower of Jesus and I'm about Jesus' purposes in this world. And someone's just going to lay their hands on you like they've been doing for 2,000 years and pray for God to anoint you and to fill you with His Holy Spirit to set you apart for this next season. We're going to allow our prayer team, pastoral team, just to come out down the front. Try and keep as socially distance as you can let me pray and then just start coming receiving let God anoint you and set you apart tonight Father God thank you thank you for sending your son Jesus thank you for his death and resurrection thank you that because of his your great love for us we'll never be at a distance from you again tonight God would you draw us close God, would you fill us with love? Would you fill us with power? And God, would you set us apart for this next season of ministry? I pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and we'd love to see you at one of our Sunday services because everyone who comes through our doors is welcome. You can find out more about our community and locations at gatewaybaptist.com.au. 